You're listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au. Okay, Mike's going to preach for us this morning. So welcome him up. And you'll see he's got the lapel mic on again, so we're going to see if we can get this thing worked out. You're the guinea pig, it seems. <laughs> awesome. Okay, let's pray for him. Reach out your hands and pray for Mike. Father, we thank you for Mike's heart for you, for his, uh, his growing knowledge of your word, Lord, and his growing love for your word. Father, we pray this morning as he shares that, uh, that there'll be words of hope and encouragement and even conviction for us that comes out of this. Lord, your word penetrates to the dividing of, of bone and marrow. It penetrates hearts, it penetrates hard hearts. Lord, we pray that it'll do that this morning, that it'll penetrate hard hearts and uh, with power because your word is also powerful, Lord. We thank you for Mike. Lord, give him the words to speak this morning and the confidence in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks, Ian. Um, I'll get rid of that one. <laughs> give this lapel mic a go again. So, interesting morning this morning. Um, it's been full of ups and downs, highs and lows. Woke up freaking out this morning thinking I was preaching the wrong thing. And I opened my Bible and it had a daily devotional and it lined exactly up with my preach, so that was awesome. So I got a bit of encouragement from that and then now the projectors, but that's alright, we'll push through with that. So I'm going to do something a bit unusual to start and hopefully this will give us a bit of a demonstration. It's going to go for the whole preach. So if I can get everyone just to stand up to start off with. Good, now everyone's at my level. Now I just stay there for the rest of the preach. Alright? Nah. Alright, so... We're going to start off with, with handing out Fredo Frogs. So, when you get one, sit down and um, eat it whenever you feel like it. You might need to help me, actually. Just, yeah, you know it. <laughs> Kids' shirts, just to go out. Just one second. Uh, we'll find out. So we'll cover together. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> oh, John just got two. There's Charlie. Ah. Alright. So, everyone with. If, if you got one, sit down. Um, we look look like we're. Yeah, I, I know about him. It's all right. So, everyone, Harley. I promise I'll give you one later. All right. I'm just going to leave it there for now. You can you can sit down. All good. <laughs> so, feel free to enjoy those as, as we preach, but we'll move on from there. By by the looks of your faces, you ever think I'm crazy? Well, this is going to be a strange, strange preach. You could be right, but we'll see where we go. As, as you're all aware by now, I'm doing a series in faith in Hebrews 11. And to start off, we're actually going to read the rest of the chapter. So if, we, if you've got a Bible there, feel, turn to Hebrews 11, and we're going to start from 15 to 40. Ah, uh, yeah, okay. 
<laughs> Hebrews 11, 15 to 40. This is going to be interesting reading. What's that? Yeah, it's a bit of a weird angle. I'll just go from my phone. Thanks, John. So, just a bit of adjusting because of these projectors. So, from verse 15, it says, If they had been thinking of the land which they had gone out, they would have, uh, they would have had an opportunity to return. But as it is... They desire a better country, that is the heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed to call their, their God, for he has prepared, prepared for them a city. By faith Abraham, when tested, offered up Isaac. And he who had received the promises was in the act of offering up his only son, of whom it was said, through Isaac shall your offspring be named. He considered that the God was able to even raise him from the dead, from which figure, figuratively speaking, he did not receive him back. By faith, Isaac evoked future blessings on Jacob and Esau. By faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each one of his sons of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. By faith, Joseph, at the end of his life, made mention of the Exodus, the Israelites, and gave direction concerning them, concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because he saw that the child was beautiful and they were afraid of the king's etiquette. By faith, Moses, when he, he was grown up, refused to call the son of Pharaoh, was refused to call the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasure of Egypt. He was looking to the reward. By faith, he left Egypt, not being afraid of anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover, sprinkled blood so the destroyer of the firstborn may not touch them. By faith the people crossed the Red Sea as on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do so, were drowned. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down. After all, they had been encircled for seven days. By faith Rahab the prostitute did not perish with those who were disobedient because she had given a friendly welcome to the spies. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell you of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jareth, and of David and Samuel, <coughs> Samuel the prophet, who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, were made strong out of the weakness, but became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight, women received back their dead by resurrection. Some were tortured, refusing to accept accept release so that they might rise again to a better life. Others suffered mocking and flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with a sword. They went about in skin, sheep and goats, desolate, afflicted, mistreated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering about in the deserts, the mountains and dens and the caves of the earth. And all these through the condemned, through their faith, did not receive what was promised, since God has provided something better for us. That part from us, they should not be made perfect. So today, today I'd like to focus on enduring faith and how we are called to endure through life. Life gets hard, we all know this. Enduring in faith is not always easy. Life throws us curveballs and we can begin to struggle in our faith. 
So we're going to look at some keys from Hebrews 11 that we can put in practice to help us to endure in the faith. The first key that we're going to look at, enduring in faith, is being grounded in faith. For us to endure in faith, we need to be grounded in our faith. We need to understand who we are in Christ and what he has done for us. We also need to understand who Christ is and how he was faithful to us. Being grounded is the key for our faith, to endure not swaying from what we believe but, uh, or being led down the wrong path, but fully trusting in Christ and the gospel of which we are saved. So some, got, some people won't like this, but we're going to have a bit of a physics lesson this morning to help explain this. So most of you know I'm an electrician. And electri- being part of an electrician, grounding or earthing as we call it, is one of the most important aspects of our job. Without that, it's our only key to making electrical systems safe. So I'm going to explain how it works. This is going to be a bit interesting with one projector. Um, I wonder. We might all shuffle this way. <laughs> you can see it. It's all right. It's not too bad. All right. I'm going to go over here so I can explain it. This lapel mic's working well now. So this is... this. Before you freak out and think, what the heck is this? Um, this is a typical electrical installation. So, we have our house. We've got the power coming in. You've got your switchboard and a power point. So, in this house, as you all know, you all have power points and switches. All those things are earthed back to this one earth stake that goes into the ground. So, what happens when there's a fault? Anything metal is picked up, it's sent back through the earth line, it's straight and dumped through the earth. Without that earth, it brings destruction and death to people. So, so without that, making sure everything is earthed is a crucial part of our job. If we don't do that, we leave ourselves liable to either someone's house burning down or someone dying for electrocution. So all the loose current that when there's a fault gets dumped down to earth and is dissipated through the earth. So like an earth electrical installation, it is vital in the is vital in the same way as vital that we are grounded in Christ. For when a fault comes that can lead to our destruction or our death, it runs straight through Christ and it's dumped away and we're made clean by his blood. Yep, absolutely. So like, a, like an earth is electrical insula- in an electrical insulation, it is vital, is vital in the same way is vital that we are grounded in Christ for when a fault comes in, that can lead to destruction and death, it runs straight through Christ and we're made clean by his blood. Like our, our safety mechanism, we need to be grounded in Christ. So Colossians 1, 2-3 says, If indeed you can... Oh, I'll read off my phone. Sorry. Uh, 23. What did I put up? Oh, I said, yeah, okay. Cool. <laughs> Thanks, mate. So, if indeed you continue in faith, stable and steadfast, not shifting from the hope of the gospel that you heard, which has been proclaimed in all creation under heaven, of which I, Paul, became a minister. This scripture calls us not to shift from the hope that we have in the gospel, and hope being a product of faith, a byproduct of faith, we need to have unfailing faith in the gospel. Because if we don't, we open ourselves up to destruction. Without grounding in Christ, our faith has no hope, and we lose the faith altogether without protection of Christ. 
our faith needs Christ to endure, just like an electrical installation needs a ground to prevent from destruction. But with an electrical installation without an earth, everything will work. It'll work perfectly for a time until you get a fault. And that's when everything starts to fall apart. In the same way, we can endure when times are good. If our faith is not grounded in Christ, it becomes shaky when things start to go wrong. We can't allow ourselves to be grounded in anything else but Christ. We might be grounded in Christ, but if we're not fully grounded in him, and only him, oh, sorry, and only him, we're trying to live with something else in our lives, we again open ourselves up to problems again. For our second electrical lesson, we've got another picture. So, every house needs to have one earth. You'd think, because it's our safety, why don't you put multiples around? But there is a reason to that. Because if we start putting multiple earths into the ground, instead, when the fault comes, it goes down our earth, and into the ground, but when there's a second one, it actually sometimes creates a circuit. It can actually go back up the second earth. It can bring the fault destruction back into the house to cause problems. So as we see, it's vital that there's only one earth in electrical insulation. When we are grounded to two points, we run our sin through Christ, but we don't allow it to be fully taken away. It comes back up through our other grounding, whether that might be something we might not want to let go, we're worried what people think, or we just don't want to let go of sin. Two groundings will bring to destruction just as quick as not having a grounding at all. Just like it says in the Bible, we are to serve one master. We can't have two masters. Having two masters is like having two earths in the ground. So if we look at, look at, back to Hebrews 11, 23 to 27. What says? What say? 23 to 7. Oh, hang on. Before I read it. So we find Moses. We all know the story of Moses. Um, God uses him and Aaron to rescue his people, the Israelites, from Egypt. But if you don't know the story, I encourage you to read it. So, I want to focus what Hebrews 11 says about him. So in verse 24 to 25, says, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. As we read, Moses refused the privilege of being Pharaoh's daughter's son. He refused to live the way of the Egyptians and in the sin they were doing to God's people. He chose to serve God and lay down the riches for riches of what he could do. Nice try. Um, he chose to serve God and lay down the riches of what he could do of having been, having been a royal life and not being persecuted like his fellow Israelites. But instead of choosing a sinful, cruisy life, he chose to be part of God's people. Not only part of God's people, but he was called by God to lead his people where it would bring more trials. But Moses understood that he couldn't serve two masters. He understood he couldn't be grounded in the way of the Egyptians and grounded in God's work. 
If he had done that, he would have been a hypocrite, trying to do God's work while enjoying the sinful ways of the Egyptians. The two groundings wouldn't work. They'll just bring destruction. Why would Moses turn back, turn his back on the Egyptians? After all, wouldn't it be easier to enjoy a royal life and sit back and let the Israelites handle it themselves? We see the answer in Hebrews 11, 26 to 27. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasure of Egypt, for he was looking forward to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured seeing him who is invisible. Moses gives us a great example of being grounded in Christ and Christ only. He leaves the riches and goes to serve God in in the trials. He comes, he lays down his fame and glory, and goes to be with God's people. We see Moses takes a more Christ-like approach. He lays down and denies the Egyptian way and stands up for his fellow Israelites who are helpless. He turns his back to sin and a crazy life and chooses to face the trials that would come and what God was calling him to. He understood he had a greater reward in God than in the life of an Egyptian. In the same way, we should do the same. Being grounded in Christ is an understanding of all he has done for us, but also not afraid to lay down our lives to serve him. After all, he has called us to take up our cross daily. And we can only do this when we have direct grounding in him and having faith in him and his promises. All right, that brings us to our next key, enduring faith, and that's standing fast and continuing in faith. So 1 Corinthians 16:13 Be watchful, stand firm in faith, act like men and be strong. Now ladies, please don't worry about this one. He's not physically saying act like men. You can relax. It's all good. Um back when Paul said this, he was referring to um as an encouragement to people to act Acts with courage, strength and obedience to the Lord with confidence in his power. Then we go to Acts 14.22. Strengthening the souls from the, uh, strengthening the souls of the disciples, encouraging them to continue in faith and saying that through many tribulations, we must enter the kingdom of God. So it's saying that we're going to face tribulations. So Hebrews 11, 36 to 37 was the verses that we see where they suffer for Christ, for their faith. Um, we'll read it now. So Hebrews 11, 36 to 37. Others suffered mocking and floggings and even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were killed with a sword. They went about in skins of sheep and goats, desolate and afflicted and mistreated. Now this verse sounds pretty rough. All these guys suffered greatly for their faith in Christ and to do his work. Christ never promised an easy road serving him, but the opposite. It says in Matthew five ten to 11 Blessed are those who are persecuted for the righteousness, 
for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who, when others reveal you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. It says, blessed are the ones who face persecution. As Christians, we're going to face persecution and hard times. Being saved is not a one-way ticket for the time of your life. It's the opposite. We need to take up our cross and serve. We shouldn't look at being persecuted as something that will allow to destroy us and bring us down in faith. But it should encourage us and build us up in faith because we know that we are taking up our cross and walking the life Christ has called us to. Being persecuted is hard, but when we know the reward we have in Christ, it is far greater than anything we have on earth. And these guys that is talked about in Hebrews 11 weren't afraid to step up for Christ. They strived strived into a situation with full faith in Christ and what he was going to do, and the end result they had, they were looking at Christ. Here's a question just to ponder on. As Hebrews 11 says, these mighty guys of faith all suffered for the call of Christ, and to preach his name they faced trials, jail, or even death. Have, have you ever put yourself in their shoes? Have you asked that question, how far would I go for Christ? Would I die? Would I go to prison? Would I be happy to be sworn in for his name? Fairly strong question. But all these guys knew they were serving and had faith and they were fully devoted in God and grounded in him and faced trials full of faith that those trials won't bring down their faith but built it up as they are looking at, at Christ. God never promised an easy life when it became... And we become, when we become a Christian, but he did promise a perfect plan for our lives. And that comes to pass in every step that we take and every trial that we face. James 1, 2 to 4. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. I let the steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect, perfect and complete, lacking nothing. James here has said to be joyful in trials. I don't know about you, but I can think of some trials in my life where I was anything but joyful. But if we keep reading through the verse, it gives us a key to enduring in faith. Even when it's hard, James calls us to be steadfast in our faith. This comes from facing trials. The trials... Sorry comes from facing trials. The trials we face, the more battered and bruised we get, the more unshakable our faith becomes. It brings us to a place of reliance on God and not ourselves. As we see this happen to in Paul in 2 Corinthians 1, 8 to 9. For we do not want you to be unaware, brothers, of the affliction we experienced in Asia. For we were so utterly burdened beyond our strength that we were despaired of our life, life itself. Indeed, we felt that we had received the sentence of death. But that was to make us rely not on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. In this verse, Paul was facing trials. They described as a sentence to death, so they must have been pretty full on. But in this passage, it gives us a key. It says, but that was to show. There's a key statement that there was a reason for the extreme trial that he faced. 
Through the trial, Paul states that the trial made him rely on God and not himself. His faith was built stronger, not weaker. He focused fully on God and brought him to a place where Christ was fully edified in what he was doing through Paul. Back to James. That is what it is calling us to do. Though we face trials, through these trials our faith is stretched, pulled, made feel uncomfortable, but in the end it produces something amazing that is well worth the trial. I've heard Matt Doherty describe this really, really well. I'm sure some of you have heard this before, but I'm going to repeat it. So next time we see him, just remind me to give him a Fredo frog. He says, he says trials are like pregnancy. There's a stretching, there's an uncomfortable time as the baby grows. But at the end, the result is worth it. You forget all the uncomfortable and the stretching times because in the end result has a far greater result than the trial you've just been through. It was worth it and, were, and it was for great purpose. As when we face trials, have joy and know that it's just a stretching, uncomfortable time. Have faith there is a purpose for your trial. Let your faith be built and rely fully on God. And when, it come, when you come through the trial, your faith is not only stronger, but you see the result of God's perfect timing. Have joy in your trial. What brings us to the next key. The next key to help us with enduring in our faith, we need to understand that God's promises never fail and his timing is perfect. As Hebrews 11 gives us people from the Bible and their testimonies on how they had faith, in every one of God's promises and his promises never failed, but we can also learn something else about God's promises in their testimonies and that's that God's promises come forward in God's timing and God's timing alone. And to endure in faith, we need to understand this as one of the keys to stay strong in our faith. So this leads me back to the Fredo Frog demonstration. By now, Harley's probably lost faith that he's ever going to get get it. He might have thought that I've forgotten about him, or even, or as you saw, he even attempted to grab the frog that he was promised himself. <laughs> which is. Which in our culture these days, I'm sure you agree, if something is promised to you and it doesn't happen the next day or the next week, it's probably never going to happen. And that's what culture does to us. What in turn, when God promises something, it doesn't happen right away or within a week, or you've been waiting 20 long minutes for a Fredo frog, through all that we start to lose faith on the promise and we can start to doubt that God even promised us in the first place. We can start to wonder, has God forgotten about me? Or we might even try and take the promise into our own hands. And the timing to do that, uh, and timing and do it all on our own, and not in God's time, has set for us to achieve this promise in our lives. We can see God working in everyone else's life. Okay, everyone else got a Fredo. But your promise hasn't come past. And our faith, if it's not grounded in Christ and and we're taking a beating, it becomes hard for us to see God's promise coming past when other people are receiving their promises, but we're still waiting. We need to have a faith to endure while we wait for God's timing. Either way, we end up with either no faith in the promise or we give up hope and start trying to work towards it on our own, which we can open ourselves up to losing faith in our promise or even worse, we can bring people down in their faith if the timing is done, not in God's time. And when we try and achieve God's promise over our life on our own, not only not in his timing, we miss out on the character and the seeds that he wants to plant along the way. 
all of a sudden we're not working for God's glorification, growing his kingdom, but in our own strength. All of a sudden we're grounded in ourselves and not Christ. And, we, and all, we, all we know, all that can just bring destruction to us and other people. But Romans 8.28, which Ian knows really well. And we know that for these who love God, all things work together good for good. Those who are called according to his purpose. You can see God's promise, promises something. We, uh, sorry, I'll start that again. You see when God promises something, we, he will quite often only reveal the promise step by step. In the pro, and the process of getting there, he won't reveal the full promise to us, but step by step, to get there and along the way, every step is perfectly timed to build into that final promise, which is quite often a greater result of the original promise when it's done in God's timing. With perfect timing and with building and with building to the promise, then we grow in faith and we see the perfect result of what we're called to do. If we look at the testimony and the guys in Hebrews 11, Abraham moved land when he was 70 years old. And, Sarah, and him and Sarah were 100 when Isaac first came along. So from the point of the original promise, it's 30 years they were waiting. These guys waited years and years to see their promises fulfilled by God. Each one of them took a small step towards that promise. And they had faith in each one of those steps. They never lost faith in the promise and never tried to make, take matters into their own hands. But instead, with each step, they grew in faith and trusted in God, seeing God's work in his perfectly perfect timing, are working to far greater results than they could ever imagined. I bet now Harley really has lost faith that I've forgotten about him. The Freddo's still sitting there. But like God's promises never fail in our lives. We just need to have faith in the promise and know that God's timing is perfect. And when we understand this and have faith in the promise, we're not disheartened when we have to wait for the right timing because we know God is working in every perfectly timed step until we see the result of the promise over our lives. And quite often, that promise could look, could, look, ah, could look like this, but when it's done in God's timing, at the end, we see that. <laughs> oh, sorry, mate. <laughs> Alex always got that one. <laughs> so we've got lunch, so everyone see Harley afterwards. <laughs> That's all right. Bang. <laughs> Thanks, Marilyn. You've done the rest of my preach. <laughs> so, in conclusion, <laughs> that's all right. <laughs> so, so, yeah, we might start to wind this down now. So, in conclusion, I'd like to look at Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. Therefore, since we were, uh, sorry. Therefore, since we are su- surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings to so closely, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder of perf- and perfecter of our faith, who for jo- uh, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, dis- despising the shame, and seated at the right hand of the throne of God. So in conclusion, we are called to endure in faith. And all these aspects we talked about today, I hope will help you guys um, to endure that faith. 
in the same way that the Hebrew 11 guys were accredited, they, were, they all knew these three steps. They were grounded in God and not in anything else. They understood who God was. With that understanding, their faith was set on him and they never wavered from that faith. They stood fast and continued in their faith. In him, they all knew that through trials, their faith was strengthened and, fully, and they fully relied on God. Through the trials, they see the results of what he had promised. They didn't try and force the timing of, of God. They understood the promise would never fail. His yeses were yes, his noes were noes. What gave them full confidence in each step towards the promise and they were confident to wait on the Lord and for his timing. So as we move on with our lives, let's take encouragement from the guys from Hebrews 11. Let's live in, a fa- in faith. Faith, so the meaning faith, confidence in a testimony of another. So we have that in Christ. We have that const- the confidence of, of and from the other testimonies of what God has done for them. Remember Hebrews 11.1, 1, what says, back when we first started, Now faith is an assurance of things ho- hoped for. The conviction of things not yet seen. So let's turn our faith into faithfulness in our lives. And faithfulness, the meaning of faithfulness is making faith into a living reality in your life. Let's boldly take confidence in all that we are in Christ and boldly live lives of faithfulness for Him. Not being afraid, but fully trusting the Lord and our Saviour. Let's make faith a living reality day in, day out. Thanks for listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au.